Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Today we're starting this series, The Good Fight. Now, you might have heard this phrase, The Good Fight. Is a fight a good fight? You ever ever been a part of a good fight? When I was a kid, I loved, and I was little, but I remember turning on on the TV set. That's what we called it, the TV set. And we, my dad and I, we watched Muhammad Ali. And I was little, I remember that, and, and if you remember Muhammad Ali, and just, he was the classic boxer, uh, considered kind of the greatest athlete still of all time, but he, he fought the rumble in the jungle against George Foreman, uh, not the grill, some of you guys, it's, there was actually a guy that was a, that was a fighter, uh, the Thrilla Manila, those were fights against Joel Fraser, okay, I, and and in that, watching that, I guess I was a little, you know, in tune of maybe having a little boxing matches on the playground at school. I have to admit, I got in a few fights. I'm I'm really more of a lover than a fighter, but I got in a few squabbles with some some people, particular one particular boy. He had it out for me. I don't know what it was, but he wanted to get in a fight with me. And I, I wasn't. I was. It was more of a wrestling than a than a boxing match. But him and I would we would wrestle on the ground. And and I and his, his name. I'm going to say his name. It's it's. It, it, well, I'm not going to say his name because I don't know. Like if he, you know he's still in the county or anything. I don't. But let's just call him Johnny Jacobson. His name's not Johnny Jacobson. But let's just call him that because I'm afraid if I say his real name, maybe come and beat me up again. But. <laughs> Johnny and I would just get into this fight, and, and we would wrestle, you know, the peak gravel in the, in the playground, and, the, and you know, we start wrestling, and then, and then kid, some kid would yell, fight, 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 everybody make the big circle around us, and I don't know what it was, I know this is sound graphic, but I would just get so mad, and I'd pound this kid's head in, I know this sounds bad, but this, in this log, and I couldn't get this kid to stop, you know, fighting with me. Well, over time, the duty you know, the duty shows up. She has big coat, big bun in her hair. And she'd come over and, and grab the, I mean, she's big. She grabbed the two of us and, and she would grab hold of us and by the collar and just march us into the principal's office. And then we would sit in there and we would like this, you know, like what happened? Who started it? No one's talking, right? No one's going to say anything, right? What happened? Parents are called and get lectured and, and all that happened in there. So I don't know if those are good fights, but you might grew up and, and fought and you're like, man, Dude, you did playground. I had knives and guns. I'm like, okay, well, whatever, whatever you fought with, okay, it, it's part of it. So some of us guys maybe got in more fist fights and you know physical fights. Ladies, your fighting might might have been different. It might have been with words. I mean, you know, girls can be vicious to one another, especially in social media nowadays. So I don't know what your fight was. Maybe it was a playground, phone call, uh, bar room, boardroom, Costco parking lot. I don't know where your fight was this week. But listen, it's, it's not, typically it's not with fists anymore, but our words, man, they, they're like weapons that we have. We, we, so as we talk about the good fight, let me ask this question as we start this series. In fact, it's gonna, we're going to ask it throughout this next few weeks is this, what, what's your fight? What are you fighting for? 
What are you fighting for? Not only what the motive of your fight, but what are you, what are you for? And, I, and we specify for, not against. See, there's a difference, right? There's a difference of what we're fighting for and what we're fighting against. And Because I find there's two-headed sides of a coin a little bit in our, in our fight that we have. We all have a fight at some level. But at one point, we have maybe passion. On the other side, we have anger or angst. And I, I find sometimes it's very hard to find the difference. I, I'm finding that in my own life. Like, I get passionate about something, excited about something. But then I'm like there's frustration that comes of maybe not getting my way and what, what I really want. And so th- this is hard sometimes. So, but I think we can't forget that there's this battle that we're in. And then the battle, we'll talk about the battles that we, that we face. But really, are we, are we fighting for and fighting against? And what I'm about to say, it's going to stir some of you and just bringing it up. I mean, I'm not even going to get into it, but I'm just going to talk about the fact that in our political and social climate, there's never been more turbulent a time. I don't think, I don't know too many people would argue against that. Like, oh no, this is great times in politics and everything. No, it's a whole nother level. It's a whole nother level. In our so, there's so much tension going on. And as we go into the 2020 election, even mentioning it, some of you just kind of shudder a little bit, you know, that knowing what's going to happen next. I kind of, it's like we're kind of in the season and you turn on TV, a lot of horror movies on. It's like, it's going to, I really think it's going to be like watching a horror movie. We were like, we're kind of interested in what's going to happen, but then we're also covering our face at the same time. Like, I'm not sure, like, if this, this is good to watch, but I'm interested in what's happening. That's kind of where we're entering in. But see, there's a, there's a, there, we know that there's some animosity, there's negative rhetoric that's going on in our culture, and it's really toward one's, one another. It's this fight that's against, and we can blame the media, and, and we can. I mean, media is all about sensationalism. That's how you make money, is bringing up the fight and causing many times a division. But we elevate and we, in, in, to people to certain power and that. And we can even be reminded in our culture is the fact that, how did they get there? Well, we elected, it, elected them. They're, it's called we the people. It's in the Bill of Rights. That, that happened at some, at some place. But we can blame culture. But let's not forget our own background. Meaning if you're, we're lumped together in this, this reality called church. And specifically the, the traditional church has been very much known for what they've been against than rather what the church has been for. Some of you in the older generation maybe can relate with this in growing up, but some of you grew up in what you consider the bad sin list. I heard this phrase when I was a kid. I didn't know you know, it was this. It's like, hey, don't drink or chew or go with girls who do. That was actually a phrase that people, you know, some of you like, I've heard that before. Like grandma said that to you or whatever. So guys, for ladies, it might have been a little different. Actually, back in the day, there, there was a little bit more of the certain color of dress. I'm not talking the dress itself, the certain color of dress, a certain uh, shade of lipstick meant something or did something. And so back in our history, we've got what you call clothesline religion. And I think that's kind of dissipated as, as time gone on. But still, the church is very much known in our culture for what we are against on social issues and lifestyles and all that's going on. And yet, does, the, does our world know what we really are for? See, I've observed both the church and the culture and this fight that goes on. And I, I'm pretty much tired of it. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the bickering. I'm tired of the blaming. And I, what happened times for me sometimes, I've come a little bit ambivalent. I'm like, whatever, right? And yet, I have to be honest with you. When I wake up in the morning and in prayer, there's a fight within me. 
There's, there's a fight within me going, no, it doesn't have to be this way. There has to be another way. And, and in my prayer and, and what gets me excited that brings passion to me, and I say I'm working through the passion and the frustration at the same time, but when I really get to going on and what I feel like the Lord's been speaking to me lately is this, that it's about the mission. That it's about the mission. The mission is what drives us. The mission is that people that need Jesus would experience Jesus. That it consumes me such a way that it's given me incredible clarity. And I hope that it would be for you and, and personally and collectively for us is this. That our core truth, that what we can bank on and be a part of is this. Is, is this. Let's fight for, not against. My hope and prayer as we go into this Good Fright series that we would know this. That let's be about what is for, not against. And, I, and I'll explain that a little bit more in that, because some of the pushback already for some people kind of going, well, you know, there's things that we need to fight against. I mean, there's injustice in the world, there's evil in the world. For sure, dude, for sure, everybody here, for sure, those are here in this room. I hear what you're saying. You're thinking like, for sure, okay? It really is an issue that we, that we know that there's something against. But I'm wondering, rather than being first about what is against, what if we start with what is for? The against will happen. Don't believe me. There's going to be the against that's going to come against it, uh, come against us. But with that, let's keep in mind as we start this series. I want to go with the end in mind. I want to work backwards here with the words of the Apostle Paul that I believe are words for us. In fact, I would hope here's Paul really at the end of his life that I believe I would want them to be my words at the end of my life. Paul writes this to a young apprenticing pastor, Timothy. 2 Timothy 4, you can turn your Bible app or turn your scripture here. You can open up to uh, this, look on the screen. It says, for I am already being poured out. Paul's saying this, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. These are words of not only farewell, but they're, they're words of resolve. See, I don't know about you, I want those to be my words at the end of the day. That I fought the good fight. That I finished the race. That I did what God called me to do in the time I had to do it. I want that. I fought the good fight. I've, I, and, and I'm, but I'm wondering... Do I know what the good fight is? And is the good fight that Paul's saying here, is that your fight? And is that my fight? I hope it is because that is the good fight. See, where did Paul get the good fight? He got it from the good Savior, the the, the Lord Jesus himself. Paul's fight was Jesus' fight. But when I read through scripture, and you could point it out, we could talk about it over coffee if you want, where Jesus as we read through his life, his words, his ministry, where Jesus was against rather than for. I don't read it anywhere. Jesus was for. Jesus was about fighting for. Jesus was all about proclamation. We read of how he came and he came to proclaim his kingdom, that he's king, that this gospel that comes out. And it's, I, I love what it says where in Luke 4, where Jesus had just started his ministry, and he went back to his hometown. Hey, you guys just came back. Your hometown here, your home area. So uh, you can relate with it. Coming back home, and everybody's like, oh my goodness, you're, 
You're, it's so good to have you, Jesus. We're so glad you're here with us. And he came to his home synagogue. And, and, and it, was, it was an honor at times to read scripture. And they would have throughout the year certain scriptures to read. And it just so happened it would be the Isaiah 61 passage. They'd go, hey, Jesus, you're a hometown guy. Can you come up and read the Bible? Read, read the Old Testament here for us. Will you read that scripture? So he rolls it out. And he reads this. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He reads it, closes it up, hands it back, and as he sits down, he says, Today, Scripture has been fulfilled. You know the response to the people? They lost it. They freaked out. What? Jesus is saying, in him, this scripture is now being fulfilled. You know what the response toward that? Run them out of town. Why? Because I tell you, when you are for, and you're in the fight for, there's always going to be someone or something against. And that was the fight that Jesus had the fight for the proclamation what that people would find the good news that people would find freedom they would find healing of their eyes to be blinded from from the enemy and that and there they would be able to proclaim the lord's favor in their life Jesus at the end of his years of ministry leads up to what he was going to do to really ultimately fulfill the, the good work the good, through this good fight that he had. And he left. He left the disciples with some fighting words. He summed everything up by saying this to them at the very end before he was going to go to the cross. And don't miss this. It's, it's summed up in one word here. He says this in John 13, I a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you may must love one another. By this, everyone know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus makes it super, super clear that this new command, this one thing to be known, not against, but to be known for. Not anti, but pro. This one distinguishing mark that in the midst of the, the division in the culture and the conflict in the culture, there'd be this one thing, not only that they would be known for, that all his followers would be known for. And it's love. How? As, he says, as I have loved you. So, so that the world, the, the cultural climate, the conflict and divisions going on would know what? That you are my disciples. How? If you love who? one another. What is he saying? Not about just loving the world, but loving one another will show the world going, oh, this group of people, this is what they're for, not what they're known to be against. It's love. One command. And I'm thinking, that's hard, but it's what we are called to do. And it's possible if we do it together. And that's what it's at stake. See, the, the, the people outside the church will be drawn in and go, what is unique about these people is because they love one another, unconditional love. See, this love is our fight. 
This is the fight for. The fight for a lost, hurting, broken world that so desperately needs his love. That's why Christ came. His fight was this fight through love. The Bible says that God demonstrated his own love for us. But while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And he fought the good fight ultimately on the cross to accomplish for us to take care of, to fight against sin and, and, and then rise again toward, against death so we don't have to fight that any longer, that we can find life in him and live this life of love. When Jesus was, before he was taken to heaven, he said to his followers, you need to go and wait because I am going to baptize you. I'm going to the Father so the Spirit will come and baptize you with my love. And on that wonderful day of Pentecost, People, this love poured in the streets because the Spirit filled these believers. And people are like, what is going on? What does this all mean? And Peter gets up and he preaches and he says, hey, listen, God's not against you. He is for you. And he shares the gospel of Jesus to these people. And the early believers went from just a few hundred that day to a few thousand overnight. And this love movement began to grow and grow. And, and people began to realize what this group is for. Guess what? There was, but there was a whole entourage of people that were against it. The very religious group that was against all that they were trying to do. And one of the greatest chief persecutors at that time was named Saul. And Saul, also we know him as Paul, fought against this new Jesus followers, but he had no idea who he was fighting, who he was dealing with. One day, Paul and his crew were heading toward taking out more Christians. And Luke records in the book of Acts, at the end of the book of Acts, in Acts 26, where Paul himself, and these are his words, and Paul now, years later, is before a court. But basically, they're going to settle his fate. What's going to happen? He's being accused of proselytizing. He's being accused of, of a G, being Jesus' follower and sharing the gospel. And he stands before this court. And he basically says, listen, I follow the strict tradition. I would reach the highest level you could get. I lived as a Pharisee. And then he said these words, as you can follow along in Acts 26. He says, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. On the authority of the chief priests, I, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. Paul is saying, listen, I was fighting the, the, what I thought was the right fight, but I was fighting, I thought I was fighting for God, but I actually was doing the opposite. I was fighting against God. He said this, he said, on, on one of those journeys, I was going down the road, to, going to Damascus when the authority and commission of the chief priests, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. And you're thinking, what's the goads? The goads are, are actually cattle prodders. They kind of control an animal, kicking against it. He said, then I asked, who are you, Lord? He says, I am Jesus whom you persecuted, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand your feet. I appeared to you to point you as a servant, as a witness of what you've seen and will see of me. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so they may receive the forgiveness of sins and in place among them who are sanctified by faith in me. 
Paul is telling his fight story. He, he's telling that he was fighting the wrong fight and realizing he was fighting against God. And God, what he did, he blinded him so that he could see. He blinded him. And three days later, he, in, in the midst of the blindness, he realized he needed to see with spiritual eyes. And God, re, God restored his sight. And then he, he was going to, to reach out to those in darkness so they can see, spiritually see again. That was Paul's fight. That was the good fight. Not a fight against, but a fight for. See, Paul understood the good fight. The good fight was the, the fight for the gospel to be proclaimed. And he learned that from and modeled from Jesus who proclaimed it. So if Paul did it, through Jesus did it, that's our fight as well. His fight, their fight, is our fight here today. I tell you, I'm tired of people fighting against one another. Uh, how about, I'm about fighting for, not against, to be pro-Jesus. Now, how do we live this out? How do we, how do we actually, well, here's some practical thoughts of fighting the good fight versus this. You're taking notes, you can write this in. In fighting the good fight, make sure your fight, you fight the right fight. In your program, there are some notes you can fill this in. Fighting the fight, you need to fight the right fight. Let me say, there's times that we fight for our rights. And many times we're not right in what we do. When I was I'm an 80s kid, and there was a terrible band. I just think they're still bad today, but they're called Beastie Boys. And so some of you are like, no, 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 no. no. So I stirred something there. Well, you guys, there'll be prayer afterwards on that, but... The Beastie Boys, don't recommend them, but they had this song that couldn't get out of your head and it's probably going to be stuck in your head on this, but they had this song as, you got to fight for your right to party. And it's just over and over again. Please do not live by that. But it is a mantra that people think. I got I to fight for my rights. And what we're really fighting for our rights is fighting for our preferences. We're fighting for our preferences. People say this. I heard someone say the other day, that, you know, don't I have a right to be happy? That sounds very American. It's just not very Christian. Yeah, it's good. See, your right fight, you have to ask the reason why you're fighting. What's the reason? Actually, you need to look, look deep within. Apostle James asks this very reason. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You ever met somebody that they're kind of a ticking time bomb? You, you, you bump into them, you say something. You ever like looked at someone wrong? You ever done that before? Why is he looking at me that way? Like, dude, what's your problem? Obviously, it's nothing they've done. It has to do something within them. And that's what James says here. He says, you desire, but you do not have. Why do you, why do you fight? You, you desire, you don't have. So you kill. Maybe not kill physically, but you, you, you squash things. And you get your way. So you covet what you cannot get, what you want. So you quarrel and fight. This, this, this fight for rights, it's, it's not a new fight. It's an old fight. The Adam and Eve fought this fight. They bit in the forbidden fruit out of rebellion because they wanted what they wanted and it created a whole bunch of chaos and conflict in our lives. So if you're, if you're claiming to be an authentic follower of Jesus, let's remind you this. When you signed up, you signed your rights over to Jesus. When you bow your, your knee at the foot of the cross, bowed your heart at the foot of the cross. The Bible says you're not your own. You were bought with a price. Paul gives a, 
you could almost a truce in fighting for his rights. He says this, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Listen, dead men have no rights. When we, did not, when we, when we die to ourselves is where we can find life. And when we die to ourselves, what happens is then we can actually handle conflict in a healthy way. We began to look and, and, and figure out, say, how do I handle, how do I keep the fight, the, what I'm for, even then when I'm facing with those that are opposed, that are, that are against me. See, I am not saying that we just allow in and in a, in a posture of humility that we allow people to walk over you. No, that's not going to be good for you. And it's not good for those because that just enables them even further in their dysfunction. But what we do need to do is die to our opinions and die to our preferences so we can lead to steps of reconciliation. So it's important to choose your battles wisely. And how do you know you're fighting the right fight? Here's some questions you ask yourself. Does your cause have a higher importance? Is it a kingdom importance? Does it protect the young? Does it defend the weak? Does it fight for the injustice of others? In fact, one of the things you, you, in your program there is there's, there's a whole night coming up here this Saturday, I believe, called a fight against slavery. And, and, and Getty um, Refuge is a ministry that we support that fights against sex slavery and human trafficking. So that's something against, but what we're for is the victims. We're for to see those ladies and children rescued, not only locally, but globally. That's, that battle is there to, to fight, but fighting for them. Is that the kind of fight you're fighting or is, your, is it about you and your rights and your needs? So we need wisdom, don't we? There's times we need to evaluate, going, ah, it's not worth the fight. This is for me, not, not really ultimately for it is. There's, there's bigger fish to fry. We need to decipher that. We need to know. And, and I won't get into Ephesians 6, but you know that you don't have, the enemy that you're looking at is not across from you in the eye to eye and who you're conflict with. That's the enemy of our soul, the devil who has, wants to fight against us. So knowing this then, if the right fight, know this. In fighting the good fight, make sure you fight the fair fight. Make sure it's a fair fight. You know, in boxing, again, I didn't take it except watched it on TV. But the referees, they bring the, the boxers together and they're, they're kind of like looking, you know, they're, they're looking wrong at each other. Like they're ready to, you know, go to, go to it. And then, of course, the, 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 the announcer says or the refs say, no, no sucker punches, no hitting below the belt and, and stop when the bell rings. Those are the rules of the engagement and fighting. But I don't mean, know in, in real life, the gloves come off, don't they? And it's no holes barred. Like, and there's a brawl that goes on. And yet we need to be realizing when that happens, we, are we still as, as pro-Jesus and this love movement, how do we resolve conflict? Because in the midst of it, oh, I love you, I love you. There's times like, I love you, but I don't like you right now, okay? I mean, there is times where we have to face and deal with conflict. We, we live in a real world, but how do we do that? Well, as Jesus followers, Jesus told us. He showed us. Matthew 18. It, it, he, he lays it out for us. So for you right now, you're going, man, I, I'm kind of like in the midst of a conflict right now. Here's some help. You might want to take notes. Matthew 18. Jesus says this. If your brother sins against you, go and, and show him his fault just between the two of you. That's step one. Go to someone privately. If, if, they have a, if they've wronged you, go to them and talk with them about it. Don't talk about them and around them. Can we stop doing that? <laughs> I'm not saying you. you. Of course, you're better. You know, last service I had to tell these people like do that. You, you guys here. No, but I'm serious. 
Let's don't, don't stop doing that. If there's a problem with someone, pray and then go to them. Say, hey, this has happened. Now, how, how do we engage that person? Here's some real practical steps. Be cool, calm, and collected. Don't go hot and heavy in them. Take some time to cool off and then approach it. Own your own wrong in it. You're like, oh, they did this. I bet you have a little bit of, you know, cause some of that as well. Avoid trigger words like, you make me feel. It's like, hey, this is the situation I'm in. This, this is how I'm feeling. I don't know how you feel. Ask questions rather than accused. Hey, I'm just wondering. Rather than you did this to me going, oh. Um, and this is a question I use like, hey, help me understand a little bit why you did what you did and what you said what you said. Make a criticism sandwich. You ever made a criticism sandwich? It's a really, really, really thick layer of compliment. And then a really, really, really thin thing, 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 criticism. And then a really, really, really thick compliment, okay? I'm not, you're not snoozing anybody. You're just helping buffer what you're about to say. Get to the point. Get to the point. Stick to the subject. Disarm and diffuse as much as you can. And, and, and don't cave. Don't apologize for you. Because that's enablement. They, they've done a bunch of wrong to you. And you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They're like, yeah, you are. No, no. They're, they need to own what they own. But you can't make them to own it. You only own yours. Don't apologize for them. But, you know, if it works out and you hug it out, that's wonderful. But actually, if they don't respond, this is what Jesus says next. He says, if, if they listen to you, you've won their brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others. So, he, so every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. That's step two. Get a trusted friend that can come with you. And maybe best on their side, to get, they get a friend as well. And it's not going to be like a brawl. It's just going to be, be able to get a, a cool-headed friend, a person that would sit with you and say, hey, I'll come along. Because guess what? As much as you're, you know, they're taking your side probably, but also they know you. If you trust them, they know your blind spots. Like, oh, I don't know if that's the best way to approach it. And they can help encourage you a little bit because we all need it. When we get into, into the moment in our thing, man, we're, we get amped up. And so they can do this. Well. And just have a small group. Talk about that. Work through it. But if you don't, if it doesn't work out, Jesus says this. If you refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if you refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. That gets pretty serious. You get to the place, it doesn't work out in a group, then go. You go to, maybe go to a church leader, a person you trust. Maybe it's people in your small group if it involves. It just depends on who's involved with it. Because sometimes when problems don't get solved, it involves other people. And then it, bring them together, talk about it. But if they don't respond, the Lord says to cut them loose. And a lot of times people self-select out like, I don't, we're not in agreement. They're good. You know, and agitators, you know, sometimes there's agitators and that, but the Lord will work it out. But we take these steps, but it's the steps of love still. We still love that person. We don't reject that person in the sense of, they can't, but the, the relationship changes a little bit at protecting people. That's hard. You're thinking, how do I do all that? We'd love to talk with you more about that. Our, we're here, our care connection people are here. If you need some professional counseling, I'd love to meet with you and talk about some options of what that can look like. So those are, that's touchy, isn't it? But doing it in a pro way, in a Jesus way, in a loving way, we're for that person. They're not our enemy. We're, 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 we're against the devil, but we're for them, even when there's opposition. Lastly, knowing this and fighting the good fight, make sure you don't give up the fight. Make sure we don't give up the fight. We need to not gloss over the fact that Apostle Paul, he says, I fought the good fight. You know how he fought the good fight? He goes, I fight the good fight. He's in jail. He's in prison. He's in chains. He's under house arrest. He's actually going to be on death row, basically. And so, you know how Paul fought the good fight? 
He wrote stuff and rolled it under the door and got it and sent it out to the church. We have these letters today because Paul didn't give up on the good fight. We have the prison letters, Galatians and Philippians and Timothy and Titus, these books we call them now, they're letters. And he got it out because I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. And I'm telling you, if you're in the place of don't give up, he, he tells this as a prison letter. Galatians says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you, if you do not give up. Can I tell you right now, some of you want to give up. And the last person you want to give up is on Jesus. Many times people are like, God, I'm done with God. Like, I would say if you're in a tough spot and you're in a place of weariness, he's the last person you want to give up. He wants to be in your fight. He, he's in your corner. And if you're here today and you're going, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this thing. I don't know. I don't want to give up. I want to remind us of the fact that, that as you're thinking about giving up, God did not give up on you. That Christ did not give up on you. When he was in the garden, he was sweating blood. And, and, and this excruciating moment that he was going to take all of the sin of mankind on upon himself. That was a big moment. You would be sweating something, right? It would be an intense moment for that. He said, Lord, I can't do this. Lord, take this cup from me, Father. But then he said, no, not my will, but yours be done, Lord. Not my will, but yours be done. And in that moment, he thought, you know what he was thinking of on his mind? It was you and I. You and I. And we went to the cross, and, he, and, and before he bowed his head and he declared, it is finished, we were on his mind. Hebrews tells us this. This is, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And listen to this. Because he did not give up, and fought the good fight. Listen to what it says. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful man. So you will not grow weary and lose heart. Don't give up the fight. Don't give up the fight. Let's quit fighting against. Let's start fighting for. The fighting for our faith. And our weapon that we have. If you even call it a weapon. Our way of fighting is love. To love. Love is our tool. Love is our way for fighting for, not against. And even, Bible, Jesus himself says, love your enemies. They're my enemy. You know the ultimate enemy. It's not, you can't see that enemy. No one, ultimately, who, who you need to look to, the fact that Jesus is saying, listen, love as I have loved you. That is what is going to win at the end. As our team comes, I, I have this challenge for you. We always want each week to give you a practical next step, and it's this. I want you to fill in the blank this week. I will fight for blank this week. I will fight for this week. Who are you fighting for this week? What are you fighting? Not against. Who are you fighting for? It might be a friend. You put their name in there. Put their name in there. It might be... It might be a loved one. It might be your own child, your own son, or your own daughter. It, it actually might be a coworker. It might be your boss who you're going, man, I've been fighting. It might be your own spouse. Instead of saying, man, we've been fighting a lot. No, I'm fighting for her. I'm fighting for him. It might be a cause. It might be people, a groups that you're fighting. Man, I'm, I want to be a part of that prayer gathering for Engedi. I'm going to do some things proactively. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to fight the good fight. The good fight of faith. In these next few weeks, we're going to, we're going to talk more specifically. We're going to next week talk about fighting for your friends. We're going to talk about fighting for your family. Fighting for your future. There's so many things we can be fighting for. But what is it this week specifically for you? And as we do, I would like you to bow your head. 
And why don't we take a moment and pray for you and be able to fight the good fight this week, the fighting for, not against. But I have a sense today in this service more strongly in the last service that some of you would say, if you were honest with your heart, you're actually fighting against God. You're resisting the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you, if you know you are, oh man, that's good that you know. It's good that you know because you can do something about it. You could go to the Lord and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord. I've been resisting your calling. I've been resisting, Lord, what you want me to do. Uh, I'm resisting handling a, a, a conflict I need to bring resolution to. I'm resisting that, Lord, and I'm sorry. And Lord, I need your help. If that's you today, guess what? Jesus said he came to proclaim freedom for the captives. You can find freedom today and the opportunity to step out and do that. And let's pray for courage for you this week. Some of you are just flat out fighting against God. You're kicking against the goads. It's useless. It's useless to fight against God. Just give in. Give in today. Surrender all. Surrender all. Say, Lord, be my, be my Savior. Be my Lord today in my life. Some of you are discouraged. You want to give up the fight. No, don't do it. The very person that you need in your corner is Jesus right now. That's the last person you would ever, best being in the universe, you'd ever want to give up and let go. Jesus wants to fight your battles. You're not alone. You're not alone. He's with you in the midst of the fight. What are you fighting for? Let's pray. God, I, it's so amazing, Lord, that you can actually speak uniquely to every single person in this room through the same message. In, in different ways and in, in different in, and right now you are specific you're pinpointing exactly what you're saying to each one right now Lord I pray whatever it might be that we would have the sensitivity and the courage the sensitivity to listen to it and know it and the courage to live it out some would put on their next step this week I'm fighting for my spouse. I'm fighting for my child. I'm fighting for this friend. Oh Lord, help us not to give up that fight for them. Lord, give us opportunities to love them, that we're for them, encouraging them. Lord, to some here that are battling with, they're battling with you, Lord. May they just give up, surrender it all, all that they're, they're fighting against, Lord, to give their life to you. And Lord, some are, want to give up completely. In, in, in life, they just want to surrender in a bad way. They just want to give up. Lord, may they not give up the fight. That we not become weary. Because one day there will be a reward. There will be fulfillment. Because Lord, you are the one that goes before us. You fought our battle on the cross of sin. And you won the battle through rising from the dead. And we're grateful for it. May we live as people that already won the fight to fight for those for you.